is unbelievable. Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. By golly gosh. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scribe. My goodness. And Glenn Quarterman. Wow, we. Proud Victorian parked permanently in the West who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me. Together they are Duff Duff and Quarters. quarters. You know who. And this is your favourite footy podcast. It's unbelievable. Hello everybody. It is Tuesday. It is time for the first edition this week of the Duff and Quarters Podcast. It's a pre-finals edition. And uh, we are brought to you by TabTouch. As usual, those with the touch, you can better your bet. Download TabTouch today. Please gamble responsibly. And please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you run into any difficulties. Quarters, we've had the pre-finals by. And you've marked out your run. You're a fair way back. You're coming downwind. There's a bit in the pitch, fire away. Well, I did warn against this last week, but I wrote about this at the weekend. Mate, I'm as flat as a whoopee cushion at a clown convention. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a momentum gone. Now, yeah. we will regain the momentum, clearly. We've got two sleeps to go. Yep. But I just think we've missed the opportunity yet again. We just need to have it before the grand final. It just Everyone was talking about it at the weekend. How bad is it? Oh, I've got no footy to watch. It, yeah, look, yeah, and this is with the greatest respect to AFLW because I saw some great, great efforts at the weekend, but that's going to get swamped the next three weeks. Didn't like it, Duff. I did not like it at all. You? Look, it does feel like an empty weekend. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll just come back to... If I could trust the AFL to be sensible about fixturing in round 23, then I'm happy for there not to be a pre-finals buyer. But does it even matter? And I do like... Yeah, yeah, it does, mate. But why? Well, because... Look, take 2013, and let's understand why we have the buy. Mm -hmm. We have the buy because in two years running, Fremantle pulled their team out of round 23, basically. Why did they do it? It's because they knew they were going to be on the road in finals. Mm -hmm. And therefore, what are you going to do? Are you going to put round 23 at risk... Or you're going to basically say, we, we've crossed the Nullarbor two weeks in a row. We won't win the second week. And the second week's a final. You're not going to do it, are you? You're going to rest your team. They didn't like Fremantle resting their team. There was all sorts of gnashing of teeth and crapping on about, oh, it's, it's affecting the integrity of the competition. Well, fixture them at home. Who was that? <laughs> the usual dickheads over there. <laughs> fixture them at home. Fixture a derby in round 23. Yeah, look, I agree with that. I think they're just great ideas. Showdown, so Derby, I, Q Clash, just make it easy on yourselves. I, 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 that's, I have no problem with that. If, if, I, if I can trust the blokes in the ivory tower over there to do that, then I'm fine with it. But don't – if you take out that pre-finals buy and let's say this year Fremantle are fixtured to play – well, they played in Canberra and let's say they had to travel to play a final – in round in in the first week of finals, an elimination final against, let's say they were playing the doggies at the MCG or Marvel. Guess what? 
They're sending a crap team round twenty three to Canberra. Well, okay. So what you do is you um, you can get the AFL integrity unit onto that. You can look at um, are there legitimate reasons for certain players to be out, but. I think if you've... If but that's, you've, quarters, that's bulldust. But if you fixed you... You're telling, a, you're telling a team to not win a final. Well, you're not telling a team to not win a final. You can't cross the Nullarbor two weeks in a row, mate. Well, look, okay. Do you reckon if the Dogs had played here in round 23 and they knew they were coming back here to play first week in finals, they knew, whatever the outcome, what sort of team are they sending to play Fremantle or West Coast in round 23? Yeah, possibly not. It's their second. Yeah, but... I mean, there's a way. There's ways around this. We can be smart about it. I just think it, everything's outweighed with the loss of momentum around. No bulldust. Yes, it is. No, it's it not. was a terrible weekend. No, it's not. Last weekend. No, wasn't it? There's, had- there's things you can do with that weekend. They do bugger all with it. It's almost like they set it up wanting it to fail. So you, so you're all for the buy before the. No, I, I'm just saying. I don't trust them, the fixtures at the AFL, to be sensible about... about well, what's so hard about a round 23 um, showdown or a round 23... Well, they had a round 23 showdown. What's, what, so what's so hard about making Nothing. a Q clash? It's remember? easy. A Sydney clash. It's not hard. No one it? leaves their state in round 23. Mm-hmm. So, easy. So, yeah, there you go. So why didn't we have it before... And why didn't we have it because instead of a buy? The, well, the, well, good, good point. But you there is a buy. Them, you cannot trust them to be sensible. Well, based, they'll, reckon, they'll find a reason not to do it. So why? But why? Why do they need a reason? And then they'll whinge and squeal like stuck pigs. Why is it when they get a second team over there playing round twenty three? Why is it so compelling to have? Jeez, I tell a you, I sound like round, I need camomile tea. You do, I? you mate. You need a couple of cups. <laughs> why is it so compelling in round twenty three? For them to have a buy, if you take away take away the threat of an on mass rest, you is there any other reason? No. Okay. But why wasn't it done, Glenn? Yeah, well, good, good, good point. That was the the very question I was asking last week. And, and given that the mental giants over there couldn't get their heads around doing it then, how can you trust them to do it now? So, and again. With the clear space that was given to the AFLW last weekend was great, but why can't that be in three weeks' time? Yeah, I agree. There, there's just no I th- I think barrier to this happening. I think they've put the AFLW in a really compromising position because I think um, AFLW, it looks at its best, I think, when we haven't had footy for a while. Everyone's starved of footy. It's a great, it's a different product, uh, a breath of fresh air. After the AFL season, um, or before the AFL season, but gee whiz, on Sunday we saw Carlton play Collingwood in the game of the year, and then on Thursday we saw the Carlton and Collingwood AFLW teams play. Mm. I don't think it was a great advertisement for AFLW. No, no, no. And I think the next three weeks it's going to be pushed into the background. Yeah, I don't like that at all. They they, they deserve better than that. So, yeah. and by the way, from what I saw at the weekend, there were some good contests. Um, clearly, the junior talent pathway is having an effect because I just see there's more um, footy IQ out there that wasn't there at the start, which is which is nothing against the girls. I mean, they they hadn't had the pathway before, prior to that. So, there's there's footy IQ more footy IQ out there now. There's patterns that they're sticking to. Um, Yes, there's going to be some lopsided games, that's for sure, because they now have 18 teams, the talent's diluted. But I like it. I thought it was a, 
I like where it's headed, Duff. And and I reiterate, please, people, don't compare AFL to AFLW. It's a different product. Yes. But the problem is the comparison right now is inevitable. This because, weekend it was. Because they're piled on top of one another. That's right, yeah. And particularly after a scintillating last round of footy into into a, a bye weekend. So, so quickly, let's talk about the, the fortunes of our two AFLW teams. Well done to West Coast. Mm. Uh, come from behind win it was a bit, against Port uh, Adelaide. turned on its head a bit, wasn't it? Normally we're talking about West the dire West Coast weekend and the Frio flying. So uh, it was uh, swung around a bit. And Fremantle, I reckon you'll know... What Fremantle is going to do in within two weeks? So clearly they're way off the pace of Brisbane, but I did think Brisbane were pretty impressive. Well, forty nine points is a big loss in AFLW. Yeah, and I, I didn't like. You know what I didn't like? I didn't like the lack of athleticism uh, amongst the Dockers. They have got some outs, and you know there are mitigating circumstances. And you lose uh, Janelle Cuthbertson and Jess Lowe. Very unfortunate. Um, friendly fire, one with a broken nose, the other with concussion early in the game. But it was interesting that Trent Cooper basically conceded the game at that point, mm. didn't he? he that, like, they could have put Janelle Cuthbertson back out there with a broken nose, and they went, no, nah, this game's gone. And it was. It was um, Brisbane were faster, taller, bigger, stronger. Yeah. And they look like a next-generation team compared to Fremantle. Now, is that because Fremantle has slipped, or is that because Brisbane's just taken a step it's going to be fascinating to watch both of those clubs over the next yeah. few weeks, and we'll know where Fremantle sits within two weeks. I and uh, great comeback by West Coast, 13 points down at three-quarter time to win by a couple of kicks, which was a great effort. Uh, McCarthy on Aaron Phillips, albeit Aaron Phillips with a uh, one leg. She was corked early, but um, great effort. The only um, downside dwelling, Kelly Gibson's... Possibly ACL. Let's hope looks, not. Yeah, it looked ominous when there's no contact and they just kind of put the foot down awkwardly and something goes twang. Um, sad to see she made a really bright start to the game. Kelly Gibson's a highly skilled player, um, probably trying to find ways to impact games more than she has in recent seasons, and she'd made a bright start to that game. So fingers crossed for Kelly that um, it is uh, well, even if it is an ACL, that she recovers well and makes a full recovery. Mm. But good start to the season for West Coast. Absolutely. And uh, we should add our, our colleague, Eliza Riley, was starting her own AFLW podcast today. So please have a look on the website and tune into it. And no one studies AFLW more closely no than Eliza. And no one goes into more depth uh, and has a greater knowledge of the team. So, um, and by the way, good luck there. to Eliza. Her A-grade team, don't know, don't ask me who they are, have made the grand final this weekend, so she'll be a busy girl. She She's will got be. an AFLW game in the morning. She's got Fremantle Dockers at night and wedged in between is her own grand final. So good luck, Eliza. <laughs> big Saturday. It's a big Saturday, but we love them, but good luck to her. Frio, um, a, uh, a, a rigorous session on Saturday? Yeah, so match simulation. Um, big crowd down at Coburn. And uh, some interesting things, uh, Nathan Fife didn't do all the session, so basically was in for some, out for some. And played then, deep forward when he was out there? Yeah, well, I think that's going to be his role, yeah. isn't it? Like, if you're Justin Lomia, is that where you're playing, Nathan Fife? I think there's no choice. You need him there. Yeah, I, I think that's how it pans out. Um, so, okay, cautionary tales against Fremantle playing all of the tools. Well, they're not playing three. Justin so, Longmuir flagged that last week. So, therefore, Tabiner doesn't play? Is no. that what you're thinking? Oh, he doesn't play, and Logan Lobb do. Lobe, Log, Logue. Logue and Lobb. Lobb and Fife. Yes. Will be your tall targets yeah. in attack. Yeah, I think and that's right. 
but we tend to focus on the tools, and their job is to kick goals, but their job is also to halve the contest and bring the ball to ground. Big responsibilities on Schultz and Switkowski, and the small the, the small forwards really have to get to work here. Yeah, they're a big responsibility on their shoulders. Um, it's an interesting game. Um, we'll talk. Obviously, we'll preview it um, fully on Thursday. But the way I look at it, your, the efficiencies of both sides are pretty evenly matched, aren't they? If you look at the Western Bulldogs' defence, which you can poke holes in, and you look at the Frio forward line, which has been dysfunctional to a certain extent. And you look at the midfields, they're evenly matched. Um, they bat deep. Um, so it's it's just an interesting uh, match-up, this one. So I think Fremantle has to break even midfield. That's that's their challenge there because that's where the Bulldogs' strength is. Um, they need Alex Pierce and Brennan Cox to have big games because obviously Aaron Norton is a threat in the air. And then if those things happen, then one of their tall forwards has to stand up and have an impact because the Doggies, we know that there's... There's a bit of a um, a weakness down back. Um, Ryan Gardner does a mighty job and stands up and plays, you know, above and beyond every week. Um, but having said that, they can have a tall forward jump up and kick scores against yep. them. So that is the challenge for for Fremantle's tall forwards to to make sure they have an. A bit different dynamic too. Darcy didn't play against um, Frio, did he? No, when they played at Marvel. Uh, Darcy played against the Bulldogs. Yes. Yes, he did. No, was... no, it's Sam Darcy. Ah, yes, he did. I did. Okay, it was his first game. It was his first game. Ah, took, there you go. took eight marks. Okay, first game. And right. looked a player from the word go. Be interesting to see where they play him. Yeah. Whether they play him down back to try and bolster that area or where they send him forward. I've got a feeling he'll be a bit of a – he may move into – he'll be – I think the next couple of years you'll see him more down back. Hence, I assume, the reason they want Rory Lobb at that club. I think they see him as a long-term forward, but perhaps in the early part of his career he'll learn some craft down back. But I think right now the needs are probably to, if you can sort of muck up a opposition defensive system, that's what he does. Interestingly, he went forward mm. against the Hawkers and had an impact. He did. Kicked two goals and created a third. I've so. forgotten about Hawthorne season, mate. I've just moved on. <laughs> One of those ones, it's like you take a breath and you move on very quickly. No, look, I, I shouldn't say that. I was quite buoyed and optimistic really coming out of it. But um, And some interesting performances in the waffle at the weekend. Uh, Lloyd Meek uh, put his hand up. You would think he wasn't playing, but uh, certainly he's done everything to put his hand up. Uh, it has to be, if he's not playing again this year, he'll be playing in another AFL club next year. Darcy Tucker. Darcy Tucker, who uh, Essendon have in- expressed some interest in. 25, Darcy. Yeah. I thought he was a bit older than that. Uh, no, he's, he, I think he was playing first year of 2017. Okay. So. okay. Well, Darcy needs to – if he's not in that side this final series, I think you, you couldn't blame him either. I mean, he needs to be playing regular senior footy, just as Lloyd Meek does. So I, I think the two of them probably need to move and get the opportunity elsewhere. If Darcy Tucker – he might still be under contract, I think. Okay. So would maybe late second? Um. If he's under contract, you can kind of lever it a bit, can't you? Mm. So, yeah, probably a second-round pick, I think. Not necessarily early second, but, yeah, yeah second-round pick. But certainly, given their mix, uh, as much as you want Darcy Tucker on your list, they can afford to lose a Darcy Tucker. Um, yeah. Oh. Well, that's why I said, they, you know what I mean? Well, they, they could. They, Was he in the side this week? It looks like probably not. Yeah. It gives you might great be, depth. Might be Medisub. Yeah. Maybe. But he does give you great depth, and but I think I'd like to see him playing regularly. Incidentally, one reason why he might be in the team this week, he played a really good game when they played the Bulldogs the last time. Yeah, he, he did too. 
So he was a really strong performer. So they might think about playing him this weekend. Um, and you have to remember, they probably lose Blake Akers, I reckon. If you look at the the way the contracts are lining up That's there, true, yeah. Um, there's a lot more money on offer for Blake over there than here. And if you're Blake, you've kind of got to weigh up, okay, playing career best footy here versus um, an extra year and extra money. If I'm offered four years and I'm Blake Akers, I'm taking it because I'm not getting that at free. I think it's three. Is it three? I think it's three V2. Okay. But I also think it's about a hundred to hundred and fifty thousand dollars extra a year. So So he's going to North or Carlton? I think Carlton mm-hmm. at this stage. If you're Blake, you'd go to Carlton, wouldn't you? There's you, a fair chance you play finals. Well you would. Year. But then there's now that lure at North. Clark Speaking Ake. of which he's been busy. He has his first week, Clarko. So I think Sonia Hood. Uh, well done to Sonia for luring Clarko there, but uh, she's now discovering uh, how Planet Clarko works. So he does tend to come in and run the show. So new footy boss, new footy boss, uh, Todd Viney, Daniel McPherson goes. Yep. Um, looks like Ben Amafio. I think we'd be, be looking elsewhere for a job because Clarko's come in and said, "Nah, I want my man in now." Peter Jackson, he flagged. Uh, also Jeff Walsh. Um, Peter Jackson has indicated at this stage I, he doesn't want that gig. But um, they may um, influence who they get. So he comes in, he likes to uh, empower himself in that role. And uh, and it's going to be interesting, the dynamic there, because there's talk of, you know, Todd Viney's role there, while he is Clarko's right-hand man in the footy um, department, he needs to have the ability to sort of every now and then uh, put the hand up and say, Clarko, just back off a little bit, as Chris Fagan used to do when he was at Hawthorne. I'd be asking Jeff Walsh. Yeah, good footy person. And strong, very strong person. Well, you need a strong person just every now and then to say to Alistair Clarkson, no, (laughs) you're a very good coach, but there are other people here who have responsibilities and let them make some decisions. So that's going to be – I mean – you, this is what we anticipated. He was always going to move, get in there, and you know, put his put his imprimatur on very quickly. They needed that, and yep. he's done that. So, uh, interesting summer at North Melbourne, and the other club that faces a very interesting summer, obviously, is Essendon. So, how are you reading what's going on there? Um, I'm reading that um, David Barham clearly has a bit of support now. Um, the, he's uh, he's, well, he's basically cleared out all the potential opposition, hasn't he? Really? Yeah. Well, he's created the seismic fault that some Essendon people, a lot of Essendon people argued had to happen. Now, how was it done? Oh, look, it was done ugly, but when are they done nicely? When are they done clean? So it's a coup. That's what it is. And um, I'm just fascinated as to who they get in there. Now, there seems to be some momentum for Ross Lyon, but I don't like that match. I mean... The thing about what does Essendon need right now? Okay, they need a coach who can guide, who can bring them on-field success because that's the number one priority is on-field success. Don't they need a coach who will demand defensive ethic? They do. So that is Ross Lyon. But the other thing that is not it, it is significant is you also need a coach who can build a bit of hope and not disenfranchise your supporters. And I would argue that that has been a common trait with Ross Lyon at both St Kilda and Fremantle. Yep. And I think there is a very disenfranchised group of supporters right now. Yes, victory can tend to bring them back, and it will at Essendon for sure, but I'm just not sure if he's the right person to sell that club at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting point. He, he would bring traits that they need, and he may bring traits that they don't need. 
Yeah. Um, so, and the other thing is that, you know, he would have to go through a process. I suspect they're going to run a process, and he won't want to do that. Well, I, I don't think he would. He didn't want to go through the process at Carlton. No. Um, he thought that he basically earned the right to either be appointed or left alone. So it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, okay, what about? Um, James Hurd, do you see no. any prospect of James Hurd? Well, I do see a prospect because it's Essendon. But I don't So you're saying no. You I wouldn't like it. it to happen. I don't think the the AFL can't stop it happening, but I don't think they'd like it either. And oh, look, he's had a year of due. We I think we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, and I tend to agree with your opinion on it. I think James Hurd could earn a second chance provided he has a few years in the system. But not at Essendon. So he needs to do the Michael Voss. Yeah, he needs to go to another club. Go somewhere else, be a senior assistant, be a known positive factor in another club's uh, success, um, as Michael Voss was at Port Adelaide, and then maybe you earn the right to come back. But even then, I, I suspect there's going to be a silent core of supporters at Essendon that are going to have misgivings about James Hurd coming back in the door. I know there'll be a noisy group of supporters that will clamour for his return. Well, we know who's leading them. It's Kevin Sheedy. Jeez. It is. What What would Robert Walls be saying to that at the moment? I know what Robert Walls would be saying. <laughs> he wouldn't be agreeing with Sheedy? No, he wouldn't be agreeing with Kevin. <laughs> they do get along. They go back, too. They do get along, oh, they, well, they, they? Of course, they, well, they go back. Those Richmond Carlton days. Here's a question for you, Quarters. I have an opinion on this, but I'll get yours first. Mm-hmm. Should Kevin Sheedy still be on the Essendon board? Possibly not. No, I'm not close enough to the board to know. Um, but Kevin's been around a long time and there comes a time duff when you have to move on. Now, Kevin Sheedy, let me preface that. No one's done more for footy. I love Kevin Sheedy. I'm a big Kevin Sheedy fan. But maybe why, why are you on the board? Why, they're not um, other people uh, with, with, with uh, more relevant uh, business acumen who are more current day that could be on that board. Other football people could be on that board. Just not sure if he's overstayed his welcome on that board. So I would say, given um, what board members are supposed to do and supposed not to do, I'd say Kevin Sheedy has no place on the Essendon board because he will speak out of turn. And I'll give you the classic example of, or the two examples of this that highlight this. So a week or so ago, I did a story on the West Coast board and that maybe... You know, we had assumed for two or three months that Paul Fitzpatrick would be the successor to Russell Gibbs as the chairman. And it was almost like we felt like it was almost a done deal. Then it emerged that, no, it's not a done deal, that there may be other people who want to stand and there may be factions on the board that um, would like an alternative to Paul Fitzpatrick. And the names that got thrown up were Elizabeth Gaines, the um, FMG boss, and uh, Ben White, the former state um, treasurer. Now, as part of the story, and I, and I believe there is a division on the West Coast board that you know, one wants to go one way, one wants to go the other way, and I think those the the split is quite even. I think it's like you know, there's a I wouldn't call it a power struggle, but there is a difference of mm. opinion. I rang both Elizabeth Gaines and Ben Wyatt to see if I could get some input for that story, and I got polite but respectful declines because basically it would be breaking board discipline for them to speak to me. So it actually shows a strong board. Whereas Sheeds, they're chasing Clarko and Sheeds goes on 5AA in the middle of the chase and says Clarko should coach North Melbourne and take him to Tasmania. Which some say 
was a bit of a turning point. Um, we're not sure how seriously Alistair Clarks had entertained Essendon, but there was some suggestion he was there was strong interest from him. His manager said that, and then all of a sudden there wasn't. And and the Sheedy comment was somewhere around that time, so you work it out. Align the planets up and work out what happened. So the point is he had no place making So what do you comment. reckon the other people on that board would have thought about that? Well, <laughs> what the? What are you doing, Sheeds? Yeah, what the? Yeah, well... Well, and you know the problem, they wouldn't have thought that because they went, oh, it's Sheeds. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my point. I mean, maybe it is time to move on. You've got to move on. Yeah. Everyone does. I think so. Yeah. So, look... Hey, tell me this. Yep. Does Dusty play against Brisbane on Thursday? He ha- yes, he does. Well, it's sudden death. Yep. So he plays. Gee, that's a powerful in. And they're playing all right without him. But yep. I think he comes. If he's fit, he comes in. He plays. He's the best, maybe the best finals player of all time. Certainly the best finals player in the last 20 years. So I, I would absolutely play him because it is last chance saloon. Um, Jeremy Cameron's the one that interests me. Along with the double chance. Well, let's just go back to yeah. Dusty. We'll get on to we'll yeah. get, get on to Jezza in a minute, but let's go back to Dusty. So we're looking at Nathan Fife, right? And we're looking at the interruptions to his season and how it, it drastically affects what your expectations of Nathan Fife can be in a final series. Nathan Fife has played seven AFL games plus a waffle game. Dustin Martin's played eight games. Yeah. And he hasn't played for seven weeks. Yep. And in that seven-week period, Noah Cumberland has kicked 18 goals. Mm-hmm. Now, their, their forward line is humming at the moment. Now, I agree with you. I think they will play Dustin Martin. But it's an interesting thing, isn't it, where the old bloke comes out, the young bloke comes in, there's a new dynamic introduced, and suddenly it works better than how it was working before. Interesting. couple of things. 2014, Sirioli played in the grand final for Hawthorne. Hadn't played for 10 weeks, yep. eight to 10 weeks. Um, it wasn't, wasn't an outstanding game, but he definitely his presence was felt there and, it, and the, gave the uh, defenders from Sydney a few headaches. You know, last chance saloon, Dusty, they have to play him. I mean, everything has to go right for Richmond, really, um, for them to win the premiership this year. And you know what? I think you and I probably at the back of our minds think, they're a chance. They actually could. If they've got to win, you know, they've got to keep winning. But if anyone can do it, they can. Yeah, I'm not at that point. No, okay. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm saying they're more than capable. We know they're more than capable. Maybe they're, you know, it's a different team to the past. But just let me hear me out. He has to play for that reason. He's a part. He needs to build because you say he's only played eight games, but after this weekend, it'll be nine. And if they get through, there's nine. There's another game. So, so, so what you're saying is that they're not doing it without him. That's, so, that's so exactly they, what so I'm saying. So they might as well try and do it with That's him. exactly what I'm saying. Okay. They have to play him. So let's go down the road, down the Princess Highway, and Jeremy Cameron. An hour down the road. It's a lovely little journey. Are you... It's a journey to you do it in a few my, times. Well, yes. in my Datsun 180B, my Safari Yellow 180B, that nickname was Lee Matthews, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Took me about an hour and a half. Why was it, Why did you nickname your 180B Lee Matthews? Oh, because I idolised Lee Matthews. And you pulled down the visor and there was a photo of Lee Matthews on there with, and he's getting carried off for his last game. Yeah. Um, so is Jeremy Cameron playing Collingwood this week? See, that's a little different. I think uh, I wouldn't play him. Hamstring... Coming off a sh- relatively so it's two weeks. Yep. Yeah, I'm not playing him. So he's Double inj- chance. Injured round 21 against Gold Coast. Then misses round 22, misses round 23. It's pretty much three weeks to the day. So they're saying low grade. 
Yeah. Okay, so if we're saying 21 days, it's a standard hammy, and they're saying very low grade. Yeah. So you could mount a case for him playing. What if he does it again? I'm just – I reckon they've got the double chance. They've, they've won without him. It does make that forward line dynamic work so well, though. So it's going to be very tempting. It's a really hard decision for Chris Scott to make and his match committee. Really tough decision for them. Good decision to have, um, but I'm just – I'd be erring on the side of caution. Get him absolutely cherry ripe. You get the only other side of it is you do have a long. That's a long time between drinks for him. Yeah, it's a massive call. It's either way, it's a massive call. Yeah, and um, but if he does it, if he plays and does it this week because of a lack of time out, you'd be kicking yourself, wouldn't you? It could cost you a flag. So here's a question: Let's say Jeremy Cameron doesn't play, and let's say Collingwood roll them. Mm-hmm. Where is? Geelong in your premiership thinking. So that. right now, I'm saying rest Jeremy Cameron because I don't think Colling was getting anywhere near Geelong this week. So I, there's an early tip. Yeah, I reckon Colling will be in. You that rate game. them a lot higher than I do. I just think their style of footy will hold up in finals. We're going to be. I'm fascinated about this game. Yeah. To see how they go against Geelong because right now I think Geelong's. I reckon Melbourne's really close, if not got them in terms of where they're at. I think Melbourne in the final round were so good and they've built nicely. But right now I've still got Geelong ahead and I think I've got them a fair way ahead of Collingwood. I just I just look at Collingwood who they've won those they've been close wins. I know. Who but, have they beaten? But that's the way they play. Yeah, I know, I know. But that's the way they play and they keep playing. You know, no matter what eventually. the state of the game, they just keep playing. And I think it'll hold up in finals. If you look at Richmond's brand of footy, which is different to, to Collingwood's, but it's go-ahead footy. Richmond is 10-2 and two since the start of 2017 in finals. 10-2. Mm. Now, has Richmond been 10-2 and two better than the competition over that time? Ooh. I think their She's brand a, yeah, I think the their big, brand stands up in September. It does stand up. Absolutely, it stood up in December. But I think they have been, they've been a bloody good football team. Yeah. I mean, they've been head above them. I, I think there has been a little bit of a, a gap. Okay, so if, Richmond and the rest. if Geelong is clearly better than Collingwood, where do they get them? Geelong is a really – I think Geelong can play their style of footy and we, I think Geelong's back six are settled and really hard to penetrate. Their use of the footy is outstanding. Their midfield um, plays well as a unit. Um Different roles now for Joel Selwood. Um, a bit of youth in that side. We've talked about the forward line. The forward line really hard to combat. Yes, Collingwood has a really disciplined um, defensive system, but that Geelong forward line, Cameron or no Cameron, I think they can still get the job done. I just I can't see them kicking a winning score against that Geelong defence or that Geelong midfield, yet I can see Geelong absolutely kicking a winning score despite the circum- in spite of whatever circumstances are thrown at them. I just think they've got the depth. They're, they're just, there's a different ring about Geelong this year. It looks like, you know, and I guess credit to Chris Scott for backing himself and his system when others didn't. We saw an exodus of assistant coaches at the end of last year. You've got to take your hat off to him. Uh, they've got themselves in prime position. Whether they go on with the job, we'll see in the next month. But they have got themselves in prime position for this, and they're not going to let Collingwood get in their way. And I don't think, yes, Collingwood looks like a team that's got finals football instilled in them, and they've got Craig McRae coaching them, who knows all about finals football. But this is a this is a side that just there's a bit of destiny about this side. Yep, but 
I reckon Collingwood will be thinking the same thing and what they think is the most important thing, not what we think. So, um, and I wonder whether, you know, at the back of Geelong's minds, there'll be that 7-15 and 15 in finals since 2011. Now, I will be tipping Geelong to win this game and I'll be tipping Geelong to win regardless of whether Jeremy Cameron is playing mm. or not. But having said that, I'm not convinced there's going to be a hell of a lot in it. I think it's going to be pretty close, mm. this one. Anyway, we'll talk more about that on Thursday. Hey, we don't talk a lot about Waffle uh, on this program, but we've got a big final round of Waffle coming up. Swan Districts, thanks to a bit of magic from Elijah Hewitt, uh, the teenager, um, got over the line against West Perth on the weekend, has set up a tilt at a top five berth in the final round. And good to see um, the Swannies up and about. Good to see the Sharks up and about as well, my boys, in sharks second position. Flying. yep. So it's been and, a bit... And beat Claremont on the weekend. It's been a decent build. It's been some time, hasn't it? Um, look, that's something to get excited about. We still don't know whether... Well, we know where the grand final is going to be played. We still don't know what the state of the lead of the label season is. It'll be fine. To, you, have you, is there an update? It'll be fine. I know we'll be doing week-by-week week updates. Yeah, as we should. Yeah, that's fine, but... It's, an hour, it's a month to grow grass. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. Yeah, will we? Yeah. Okay, a month to grow grass. Yeah. All right. We'll get there. Not No bodgy areas there? Oh, there'll be some bodgy areas. But, mate, I can remember AFL grand finals played on an MCG with bodgy areas. I, I think it'll be okay. Back in the day? Yeah. Was, well, no, not that long ago. Well, some of the great AFL grand finals have been played on uh, dodgy MCG services. You go back... Um, I'm not talking about um, necessarily bog heaps, which you go back to 79 probably. 79 was. was. I was there that day. Um, that was the Carlton-Collingwood game, the Wayne Harms game. Um, but uh, there there were times in the mid-90s where there was not a lot of grass and it was dry and hard and sort of like caked, that caked Mary Creek soil mm. um, up the corridor of the MCG. So I, I think... I think Leaderville will present in a reasonable You're looking state. forward to the uh, cruise up the Yarra? For the uh, grand final parade? Mm. Cruise up the Yarra, a lighting off the boats, and then the traditional motorcade. I don't mind a bit of bit of fun, whatever. Whatever F- floats your boat, if you don't mind the expression. Well, the big thing for me around the grand final parade is the press conference afterwards when you get your last crack at the, yeah. the coaches and the captains. Um, and then there's often a, a training session at the MCG to follow that. Um, so, bit of a tip for our grand final participants too. When you're on those boats, keep your mouth closed. I have jumped off the Princess Bridge a few times into the Yarra River water. You've jumped off the Princess. I've Bridge jumped off it. Yeah, that's what we used to do as kids. Really? Hmm. Jeepers. Uh, and you don't want to swallow any of that water because uh, you can get very sick. Uh, you know, the, the one of the I jumped off that bridge when uh, I was at a game of cricket, and it was a one day game. It was Australia versus New Zealand. It was a final, and um, it was searingly hot. So I said to my mate, I think I was about 13, 14, I said to my mate, oh, this game's petering out. Let's just go and jump off the bridge because, you know, I'm hot. So we went and jumped off the Princess Bridge, and I got home, got the train home to Ringwood, uh, the Belgrave Lilydale line, and I said to my brother, and my brother greeted me at the door and said, what do you reckon? And I went, what, what are you talking about? He goes, about the result. And I went, what are you talking about? It was the underarm. Wow. <laughs> that was the day you jumped off the bridge. Well, one of the days I jumped off the bridge. I just left early. I missed the underarm. Yeah. I had a mate that used to live in South Perth, you know, and he used to go to the cricket, sit in the sun and drink copious amounts all day and then swim across the Swan River Why? To, to go home. Oh, yeah, because he lived over the... He used to put his thongs on his hands. Where did he live? 
you, in South Perth. Okay. So oh, yeah, okay. They used to swim the river. Swim across South Perth. Oh, you don't hear of people doing that. Well, he did it. Okay. But you've got a bit of jellyfish you'd be swimming through. I know. I don't know why he did it. Because he could have just walked over the bridge and walked. Um, he could have. But he used to, yeah. He it's just a bit of a challenge. Probably. And yeah. where did he put his wallet? Or he just take cash with him and spend it all? I have no idea. I've never gone into that much detail <laughs> with him. I can, all I know is that he survived. I'll try and match you here. Uh, when I was living in Geelong, a Karayo Bay is quite large, and there was a guy who used to um, work in the city and live around, uh, around the bay, and he used to windsurf to work every day with a wetsuit on, and he'd get to the other side, take the wetsuit off, and he'd have a suit on. That's very Every funny. single day. I like that. <laughs> that's, that. That's got a bit of panache about it's, it. Oh, you know. Takes all types. Takes all types. Now, Duff, it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the Thirsty Camel mailbag. Thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to um, Green Coast Lager from Stone and Wood Brewery. We'll be giving a carton away on Thursday when we do our preview of the first week of finals. Please keep your emails short and let us know if you're from the great state of Western Australia. Bit to get through here, Duff. Uh, hi boys, uh, this one from William. Hi boys, firstly let me acknowledge my previous email about Clarko hasn't aged well and he has clearly presented what he stands for. Quarters, you brought up the South Australian recruiters issuing a warning regarding Rankine and Lacocius. Quite frankly I completely agree with you but what Archie Perkins did at his time of draft at the time of his draft, has gone under the radar, in, radar and, in my opinion, was much worse. I was wondering why the AFL didn't step in as this was a blatant draft tampering. Surely the AFL should have put their foot down and forced him out of the draft that year. I understand his concerns, but don't see this as restricting trade as it's clear that he doesn't feel capable of undertaking the responsibilities of the role. Um, I guess my question is, how blatant does draft tampering have to be for the AFL to step in and how much power do they have to stop a player nominating for the draft if they do as Archie did? I'll just read out his quote. I feel like it would impact me too much and I don't think it would be in their best interest as a footy club to have me there because I wouldn't be 100% with it and couldn't really commit myself 100% as opposed to staying here. What I'll say about that is I think the Adelaide situation um, was draft tampering with it when the footy managers came out and said, don't draft Rankine, don't draft Lacocius, caveat Empire, buy beware because they'll be back here one day and you'll lose them. I didn't like it at all. I think the AFL should have stepped in. Um, and really punish them for that. Um, even removed a late round draft pick or something because I just don't think it was right. As for Archie, he was a young, he was a kid, and maybe I would be pointing the finger more at his management for some ill advice on that. I think his management, from memory, came out after that and said, "Look, he was sort of misconstrued a bit." Well, there's not much to misconstrue about that quote, but I reckon they probably, if he was thinking that way, I probably think he probably should have been better managed. There, I'm not sure really that you can do much about. Our, uh, you certainly wouldn't remove him from the draft. He's managed by the Connors Group, which is okay. tends to be the best management yeah. group and tends to know exactly what they're doing. So I thought there were, there were a lot of recruiters who believed Archie Perkins should have been removed from that draft. Yeah, nah, wouldn't do that. And and should have been told, come back in mid-season, mate. Punishing the kid, though, I'm not sure. I mean, we all saw it as aloof and a bit ahead of yourself and a bit arrogant, but he's just a kid. Yeah. Um, you were, were down on Adelaide rather mm -hmm. than Rankine. And, you know what I'd be doing if I was Gold Coast? I'd be I'd be playing hardball at the trade table. Why wouldn't they? I'd be trying to make sure you won on the trade, 
And I'd be saying to Adelaide, you might think you can get him through the pre-season draft, but we'll put him in the pre-season draft and we will send him to West Coast or North Melbourne. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I would be playing as hardball as I can get, yep. given the comments they made. And I'd be his... saying that to Rankine too. If they don't want to trade for you and they don't want to give you what we think you're worth... By the way, does you? the AFL have to tick off on these, on every single trade? Yeah. So... But it has to be a, a legitimate trade. I wouldn't mind the AFL casting its eye over this trade, given the comments that were made. There you go. That's a good call. Yeah, maybe give some, put some GST on it. That's a good call. Mm. Because I didn't like it, and I don't like it where it's ended up. Look, good luck to Rankine if he's returning. to It is his home state. But I just didn't like the way it was done from the outset. Played some good footy this year, Rankine. So, he's a good player. So bad luck, Adelaide. There's a bit of GST on him too. Yeah. And he was a first round, a very low, high first rounder. So pick two. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. Uh, this one from Joe from Morley. Hi, Legends. With the talk of the priority pick being granted to North Melbourne <laughs> and how outrageous it is or isn't, why isn't free agency compensation treated with the same disdain? I'll use the Joe Danaher example whereby Essendon got a free top 10 pick for a player that they barely wanted to keep since he was constantly injured on big money. Here, here. Hawthorne got nothing for Buddy. Uh, the Bombers win by getting a free <laughs> pick. <laughs> the Bombers win by getting a free pick. The Lions win by getting a quality player for free, yet the rest of the competition loses with the draft pushed back by one pick. The Robbie Tarrant example is another where Richmond traded him in for a late token pick just so this didn't erupt their Mabriar child compensation. I, if you gain Tarrant as a um, FA, this in, influences the child compo. When you add the compo, Father Sons, Northern Academies and later the NGAs, the draft, which along with the salary cap, is meant to be the purest form of equalisation, ends up being a huge mess as teams look to game the system. I would hate to think what the Eagles' second pick currently at pick 20 ends up being. That's a good email. I, I it's agree a great email. most of that. By the way, I'll just add a little one on the end there. Joe Danaher kicked some goals this week. You need to stand up. Yep, that is absolutely right. Joe, this is where you pay your bills, mate. Well, yeah, he's got good money, so earn yep. your coin. Yeah, this is where you pay your bills. Yeah. Do you agree with all that? Yeah, absolutely. Good, uh, good email. Yeah, Mark from Kooji. Uh, Hi, Duff and Quarters. For a bit of context, I'm a fan. I'm a POM who has been in Australia for 10 years and am now a citizen. I got into AFL pretty almost as soon as I arrived, having only vaguely, vaguely known about it prior to landing here. I nailed my colours to the Dockers mast early on and have been a member for five years or so. I'm really looking forward to attending my first finals game. Coming from Europe, where the team lauded as the best in the land is the one that is the best over the course of the season and finishes top of the league or ladder, I've always found it slightly jarring that the minor premiers are not celebrated more here. Finals is effectively a knockout competition uh, with a late run of form in the run to the grand final. I believe only in the last 10 years only two teams have finished top of the ladder have gone on to win the flag. The lesson is don't win the ladder as it's better to conserve the energy in the early season and time a run to form around June. Uh, he goes on a bit, but I think we get the essence of that. Um, Oh, you can win the Dr. McClellan Trophy. The McClellan Trophy? That is the one trophy Fremantle has won. There you go. For, that, but is the, that is the one trophy in the cabinet. It's a good point. If you uh, Geelong won Melbourne 2 last year, Port Brisbane top 2 2020, Geelong Brisbane top 2 2019, uh, Richmond West Coast top 2 2018, uh, Adelaide Geelong 2017, Ge Sydney Geelong 2016, and Frio West Coast in 2015. So I think... For interstaters, it's probably it is crucial to be top four, and probably helps more from the west if you're top two. Um, but uh, I think oh, I think the higher you finish, the better. Always. Does this come back to your point about the pre-finals buy? That the pre-finals buy takes away the advantage of finishing on top of the ladder. Uh, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, I think uh, I like the attrition, and that's come out a lot. That word's been used a lot this week, the war of attrition. Uh, the best two teams get to the grand final regardless of the circumstances. If you, uh, You've got to have reward for finishing at that top pointy end, and I think that's the best reward you can have. And then you get the two weeks rest leading into the grand final. Everything points towards that for me. Okay. Uh, Dwayne... Dwayne, high duffing quarters. Well said by quarters. Thanks, Dwayne. About the banner at Eagles home games. I hate everything about that blow-up bird amateur hour. There you go. Well done. Bring back the banner, West Coast. You know what's really weird about the West Coast run out of the ground? They come out to Wolf Mother, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Yeah, WA band. Great music, you know. And is that a Frio band or just a WA band? I don't know. Mm. Don't know. And, and they get cranked up and it's really, you know, dun, 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 dun. That's great. I don't mind that. And then they run out and then there's this sort of like poppy, boppy club song. <laughs> Which I don't mind. It starts off with the didgeridoo. And I love the didgeridoo, but then it's kind of like it's, it's hardly an anthem after that, isn't mm. it? So, yeah, it's a strange. Frio do it well. Strange way. To, uh, Frio do it well. I'd love Fremantle to incorporate the Man on the Rock somehow. Um, no, not. Do that you like one. the guitarist, the top of the Optus Stadium? I love it. Yeah, it's okay. I, well, I love We Will Rock You. Yeah, it's great as the lead into the game. So, wouldn't you have the Man on the Rock with We Will Rock You? You know how um, Port Adelaide does the Never Tear Us Apart. Oh, don't start me. Yeah. Oh, you don't like it? Oh, I just think they've... Anyway, it's, look, it seems to be well-received over there, so I just cringe a bit. I just... So the whole thing about We Will Rock You is the boom, boom, clap. Yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. Everyone can do it. Everyone can do it, which is what Queen... That was Queen's idea when they had this. Well, song. did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? It's yes, a good movie, yeah. So I'd love it if Fremantle could do something like that around the start of the game. Boom, boom, clap. Mm. Boom, boom, clap. Well, I don't mind the guitarist. Yeah, no, he's all right. By the way, I interviewed him he's once. He's a long he way afraid, up. Yeah, he's afraid of heights too. Yeah, well, he's strapped in now. Wrong gig for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I quite like what they do. Yeah, anything to engage the crowd. And we actually, it was a group that I wrote something about a couple of years ago. Actually, my guitar teacher at the time was involved and they wrote their own Eagles song. They didn't want it to replace the Eagles club song. They just thought the introduction, because Eagle Rock and whatever they do is a bit bit old hat now. They used to play Eagle Rock yeah. at the end of their wins. And they? so they just introduced this new song. We, we, we actually sent it to uh, marketing at um, the Eagles. They weren't that interested. But I thought it was pretty a pretty catchy little tune. Right. Mm, I should bring it. I should see you if You should I bring it along it. and see if we can have a play. Yeah. Uh, Andrew. Hi, Duffin Quarters. Actually, I love this email. The upcoming Geelong v Collingwood qualifying final will be a jumper clash. The choice of shorts colour is the method to mitigate the impact. Is it now time for the AFL to mandate that Collingwood wear a clash jumper? Yes, is my answer. Oh, imagine Eddie. Well, who? Sorry, I love Eddie. Mate, what? You're the one outright outlier, are you, Collingwood? There's rules for everyone and not one for Collingwood. Well, there is. And you know what? Bring back the prison bars, too. There is. Nah, it's. Mate, it's not all. It's not the Collingwood. I'm not saying it's right quarters. Yeah. I'm just saying there. Yeah, is. I know there is one rule for them. The, but the fact that they're still fighting over the Port Adelaide stuff. They'll just make them wear it, or you forfeit the points, and then just they'll have to turn up in a clash jumper. Yep. So nah. Yep. Good. Good email. Absolutely. And, way, and incidentally, way to create a rivalry. Yeah. 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 Don't you reckon? Yeah. Hundred uh, percent. Chris from Hammond Park writes, "Hello, gents. I just can't get my head around the Geelong v Pies final coming up at the MCG and not GMHBA. 
As a conspiracy theory-loving, cynical, diehard, nuffy Frio supporter, puzzles me that Geelong AFL can pick what ground is their home. 2012, Geelong played Frio in an elimination final at the MCG and copped an all-time performance from Matthew Pavlich and was subsequently booted from that year's finals race. Fast forward 12 months and to everyone's surprise, Frio was sent to a half-finished Cadinia Park to play Geelong in week one. The only reason I can come up with for that decision is that the powers that be didn't want the same result as the previous year, so allowed Geelong to host the game at their substandard home ground for interstate clubs, even though, as I said earlier, it was only half finished. But now, all of a sudden, the AFL want as many bums on seats money in the AFL's pocket as possible. So is it playing at your home ground or the or the ground where the AFL can make the most money? P.S. How many finals have been played at Geelong since that 23 Frio finals win? A big fat zero. So... I think you're misreading the motivation, um, the correspondent. I think what happened, that remember that final was played in and around a federal election, and the first final there was a the first one no 2013 okay 2013. Um, the thing that made a nonsense out of the scheduling of that final in Geelong was that there were 44,000 at the MCG the previous week. Uh, previous year when Fremantle played Geelong in a final, they claimed that there wouldn't be enough Fremantle fans to justify playing that at the MCG. They could have played it at Marvel Stadium, would have been perfect, would have been a full house. But the reason why it was played in Geelong was to send a message to the federal government that funding for the continuation of the Cadinia Park redevelopment could be justified because they were prepared to play big games there. Mm And, of course, they conned them because they haven't played a big game there since. Mm. There won't be a final in Geelong this year because it's actually a construction site. Yeah. It, while what is the capacity going to be when that's built? I think about 40,000. Mm. So, so you could play a fi- you could play finals there? Um, yeah, but the, the only thing is I'm not sure what purpose it serves for Geelong because you would still shut some people out of the ground. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And um, the only time they whinge about having to go to the MCG to play finals when they play an MCG tenant. See, my argument's always if it's in your home state and it's within reasonable distance from your home venue... Should be um, at the best stadium. Well, the, where the most people can see it, and yeah. that's the MCG. So I, I think that, yeah, Geelong would... They, they complain loudly when they have to go to play Collingwood or Richmond at the MCG in a final, which, of course, it has to be there. There'll be 90,000 there on Saturday... Mm, there will be, yeah. And right now, Cadinia Park has a capacity of 25 because it's a construction site. So it's a no-brainer. Incidentally, it wasn't a construction site in 2013. It was just that they hadn't built – there was an outer, yeah. if you like, rather than – so, yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a good point, but you're misreading the motivation. It wasn't to get the result. It was to get the money. I used to love that outer. Cadinia Park. We, um, when I was living and working there, we had a club and we'd go to a game once a year, and it was generally Geelong v Essendon. And the club, Ian Cover from Cooterby, yep. was he was the president of this club, and we used to go there, and um, and it was something like three steps from the top, um, below the windsock. That was the name of the club, and that's where we'd stand and we'd watch the game, and we'd have a couple. And after the game, we'd walk across the ground, and Teddy Whitten would be there because he'd give us our warm up breakfast, warm up. K Rock, he'd come and yeah, he'd come and talk to us in the morning, and um, he, he'd be the old three GL press box at Cadinia Park, a wooden thing, and you could open the window, and we'd be walking across the grass, half tanked, and we'd be yelling out Teddy, <laughs> and he'd be he'd open the window and say, "Hey, you going, boys?" <laughs> and meet us over at Clatworthy's afterwards. <laughs> it was a, they were great days. Um, I miss the old grounds. Uh, Pelic- I actually watched one from the outer at uh, at Cadinia Park mm-hmm. in 1995. Remember where you were standing? Yes, I do. It was uh, half forward flank, outer wing. 
Okay, so the Moorable Street side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And long, uh, long, long, long wing. It was a good view too. Good view. It was a good ground. Um, Geelong, it was a Fremantle-Geelong game and Geelong gave Fremantle absolute pantsing, but um, it was a good day. Got a good feel about it, the Geelong footy ground, I reckon, Cadenia Park. Yep. Uh, this one from Pelican Rob in Frio, Dear D and Q. I'm curious whether you see anyone in the waffle being able to take an AFL jump along the lines of a Nick Martin with Essendon this year. I've seen a fair bit of the Falcons this season, my tip for the flag, and Luke Meadows strikes me as a gun. AFL rig. Racks up quality contested positions and has the experience of being on the West Coast contingency list earlier this season. And according to Google, past form for WA and the VFL. Um, so interesting, I just jotted down a couple of names here with the help of Jordan McArdle, our waffle um, senior waffle rider. Toby McQuilkin from South Frio, um, medium sort of uh, defender, 21. Very cool head. Toby Watson, former Frio player, um, doing well now as a mid, 24 years of age. Big tanks. Yeah. Luke Paulson from Peel Thunder, key forward, 19-year-old. Big bloke. Yeah. Big, big bloke. Suffered a fractured femur, I think, early in the year, which basically has held him back. Um, I reckon Fremantle were pretty keen on Luke Paulson over summer, and then he got injured. Have um, another crack. Yeah, he's a massive bloke. Massive. Angus Schumacher, a mid-half back at East Perth, 23-year-old, was on Carlton's list and was a West Coast top-up this year but didn't play. And Thomas Edwards from Swans, 22-year-old, athletic key forward, can sort of drift forward. He's from Albany originally, I think, and that and takes a big mark. Here's a couple of names. Yeah, I'm a great fan of Bailey Rogers. I think there's yeah. just no reason why Bailey Rogers shouldn't be playing AFL footy. And the other one from Claremont, I've only seen him play once but was mightily impressed, uh, Ben Edwards. Ben Edwards has... AFL evasion. You know how you look for a trait? Well, Ben Edwards has that. When you say evasion, um, ability to slip he's through tackles. He's got a great step. Yeah. And he's, he, his movement out of traffic is quite electric. And that's AFL. Yeah. yeah. Um, bit of a scrappy kick. Would need to fix that, I reckon, to, to really have Plenty of those in the AFL. Yeah. He'd need to work on it a bit, but gee, he moves well. I'm sure an AFL system can do that. There you go. Hopefully that's helped you. Uh, this one from Jaden from Two Rocks. Hi, boys. Love the show. Thoughts on Dean Cox being the next coast, next West Coast Eagles coach? Well, Simpson's got it for a couple of years yet, Adam Simpson. I'd throw Don Pike, Jamie Graham, Jared Schofield into that mix, maybe others. But, yeah, Dean Cox doing a good job at Sydney as an assistant coach. Look how they're going at the moment. Always helps. And good footy brain, good footy IQ, Coxie. Good panel. Yeah. So John Longmire, who's very highly rated as an AFL coach. Dean Cox, very highly rated. Don Pike, very highly rated. They bat pretty deep, their coaching panel. Uh, hi, guys. Long-time listener. I lived in Perth for 10 years. Moved to Calgary, Canada. And to add to your global audience, I'm currently living in Brazil, getting my twice-weekly fix of your podcast while away, as I do every week. Anyway, I just wanted to get your thoughts on something... I think it was last week there was a comment about the AFL reserves and while in its infancy, I think it would be great if eventually the women's competition goes full-time professional. Wouldn't it be great for the game if every week there is a doubleheader with both men's and women's teams playing the same day? It may take five or more years to get to this, but surely this would be an ideal situation. The only differentiator may be the GF played on a different day. Anyway, keep up the great work and go Sydney Swans. Um, look, yeah, I'm just not, I'm not sure if I want, it's my opinion, I don't think, AFL, AFLW on the same day. Occasionally. So curtain raises, basically. Yeah, I don't really like the idea. I think that they need their own standalone comp. I think it's now August through November. I'd shift it from September through to December. You could even have a bit of a marquee grand final slot. I mean, it wouldn't be New Year's Eve, but it could be 
no, I don't know, around that time. Um, I'd, I'd sort of aim for something along those lines. You know, you, it's going to be a bit hot at the pointy end, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not a real big fan of the double headers with the men. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I must admit, it was it was a lot to ask of the women to play in summer in some of the conditions they had to play in, but at least it gave them clear air, and it gave them clear air at a time when we hadn't had footy for a while and people were looking forward to seeing footy, and I think they appreciated the product. Um, I think it's going to be a slightly different look when they're having to compete with AFL finals, the biggest and best games Absolutely. that the AFL can produce so yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that comes out so i'll try and i'll read this one out uh it just takes a little bit of explaining jake from wa hi guys um i'm a west coast fan that has been dissecting frio's trade period um all 22 2022 picks push back one from indicative order due to the ashcroft bid um how does this sound frio uh 22 uh, second round currently 28 um and Two, 2023 third round for Griffin Lowe to St Kilda. Um, Frio get Luke Jackson and Van Ruyen. Melbourne get Lloyd Meek, the 2022 first round pick, currently 15, and 2023 first, second and third picks, 2023 third round from Logue deal, as Logue is probably going to be traded first, if traded at all. Um, Frio 2022 second round, currently 30, and 2023 third round for Lobb to Western Bulldogs. Carlton, Acres, 2023 third round from Lob Deal, if that's done first. Frio, 2022 second round, currently 29. From this, they gain Jackson, Van Royen, 2022 picks, 28, 29, 30. I think St Kilda would benefit from Logue as a key defender, utility, and might swoop late. And he adds... Colin, who you met the other day, Mark, is my grandfather. And we talk about AFL and your fantastic journalism all the time. Love your work. So Colin Flay, yep. I ran into him at Herdsman Growers Market. And uh, and who said that? Jake. Jake. Jake Flay. Jake Flay. Yep. So Colin's a Wickerpin okay. man. And not just any Wickerpin man. He's a very uh, famous Wickerpin family. Um, Dion Flay that played for West Perth. Uh, Colin is his grandfather and his uh, son... Rodney Flay used to play in combined teams with my older brothers uh, for the Upper Great Southern. Rodney Flay was a lightning quick defender. Um, used to call him Pizzle. <laughs> Pizzle Flay. <laughs> there you go. Um, and, uh, and Colin Flay used to uh, be a very prominent lawn bowler in WA lawn bowling circles. Used to uh, bowl in pairs with Keith Donkin. Yes. The All-Australian Rover from the 1960s. Keith Duncan, a very famous footy product from Wickerpin. Just a couple to go here. This one from Bob from Mount Lawley. Hi, I believe the Eagles will step off down the rebuild path by cutting from the bottom of their list where there is plenty of dead wood, more than enough to cover this year's draft. Hang on to the oldies on one-year contracts to soak up plenty of the 90% that must be distributed without rewarding the mediocre players beneath them and have to take that back later. The oldies will all be gone in a year or two anyway. The only oldie that should go in should go is Nick Nat, who, because of his individual style of play, forces the midfield to play one way 50% of the time and another when he's off the field. How can you build a team like that? That's well, There's a bit to that, hmm. isn't there? Um, I think he's right. I think that's going to be their list management strategy, is basically they're going to look at their kids and they're going to take a pretty critical view of them. And I think a lot of kids are going to bite the dust. Um, they know their older ones can play and they know they have limited... So bring in plenty from underneath. They're going to try and draft better kids than the ones they've got. The problem with that is, 
is if any one of those kids bobs up somewhere else and becomes a player, you look like a goose. Well, that happens all the time, though. And the other thing, Quarters, is that I, I worry about the false dawn at West Coast. What is the false dawn? The false dawn is they all get fit next year. Um, McGovern, full season. Oscar Allen, full season. They win nine or ten games. They think they're on the way back, and then they're a year older next year, and they go off the cliff a year later, and you've wasted a year um, thinking you're on the way back when really you were just close so to what the cliff. So then, then why is the, there a point to retaining McGovern and not trying to get value from him? Uh, well, that's the judgment call, isn't it? Um, and I'm not picking on McGovern, by the way. I've been repeating this every week. I love him. I know. Uh, that. He's. I just see the, what value for West Coast and value for someone else. Oh, the, the West Coast argument would be they're probably going to take either four or five picks inside thirty, or the equivalent of because they've already got Jai Cully, who everyone rated as a top thirty pick. So they would argue that's a good kickstart to a rebuild, and they're right. Um, but if Gaff, Shuey, Nat Nui. McGovern, Hearn, et cetera, et cetera. If they're on your list, Redden, and they're going all right, they're playing. So therefore, no kids playing in front of them. So the kids are going to run around the waffle, run around in the waffle again, and not get exposed. And you're not really going to know a lot more at the end of next year than you know now. Yeah. Would a, a lot risk. of the kids, it'd be probably a risk playing too much anyway next year in the AFL. Well, I guess the West Coast would argue they played anyway this year because of the circumstances. But do you really know whether they can play when they're playing under those circumstances? Yeah. The answer is probably not. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Last one, uh, Michael from Bicton. Hi, lads. With our known problem of key forwards at Frio and the mid-season draft being an avenue to fill some holes on your list. Can you please explain to me why we drafted a development key forward in QEC rather than an established forward playing in the Waffle, Sandful or VFL? It seems strange to me that we're crying out for a forward, yet we draft a development player. What's the plan with him? Is he on the list for another year or delisted after six months? Also, do you see Fremantle going backwards if we lo- next year if we lose Acres, Lob, Mundy, potentially Logue and Tucker? I understand we have Erasmus, Johnson and Amos, but we are losing a lot to gain just Jackson during the training period. Would love to know your thoughts on both. I do love frothies with the boys, so hopefully this email goes a long way. Cheers and keep up the good work. I was going to mention Amos because there is um, a you know a very good kick for goal, good forward developing. So Freo just looked at Sebit Quek and they thought he's massively athletic, he's got a lot of development to do, he's worth a shot. So they'll go another year or two with Sebit Quek and see they monitor his progress. Um, Amos will continue to develop next year. Um, incidentally, so the trade scenario that was thrown up by the correspondent a couple of emails ago mm-hmm. had uh, Jacob Van Royen coming home. If I'm Melbourne, there's no way Jacob Van Royen's mm. going on the trade table, particularly not if Luke Jackson's leaving. I'm going to try and trade in a, a Ruckman, maybe even a Lloyd Meek. Trade in Lloyd Meek to succeed Max Gorn in a year or two. And I'm hanging on to Jacob Van Royen, and I'm reluctantly, very reluctantly, letting Luke Jackson go. Can't blame Freo for having a crack, though. They'd definitely ask the question. They will ask the question, but it'll be a very firm no. Mm-hmm. He's only been there a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so really, um, it would fly in the face of everything we say about draftees if he was to go after a year, wouldn't it? Yep. At least do your two years. Yep. Well, thank you for that. A very good selection today. Uh, please send your emails to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. 
Thank you very much for joining us today. We're going to be back on Thursday. Thursday in the lead-up to the first final, Brisbane versus Richmond at the Gabba. Will the Lions bounce back? Will the Tigers be able to keep that dynasty going somehow? We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch can better their bet. Download Tab Touch today. Please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 if you encounter any difficulties. Quarters, thanks for joining us. We started off angry and in dispute. Well, I didn't. We've you ended. started off angry. I did. You need to have a couple of cups. Yeah, I do. Tea, I do. I don't know what happened. Something came over me. You need right. to turn that frown upside down. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday to run the ruler over the first week of AFL finals. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.